Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. This episode is sponsored by Happy Fox Health, a natural supplement brand focused on CMOS, a marine algae that has 92 out of 102 essential nutrients that your body needs to thrive and regenerate. I've used a number of their products and found it's really given me clarity of mind. Visit happyfoxhealth.com and use promo code THECRAFT for an exclusive 15-20% to 20% discount off your first product purchase. There's something about the energy of Dario Phillips that makes you feel instantly comfortable, like you're hanging out with an old friend. The co-founder of Slow Tide started his career simply by following his interests before landing firmly in the action sports industry, leading marketing at Quicksilver and Huff. He was born in Toronto in a big family with five kids. His father was successful in the development industry for a time, while his mother was a wonderful free spirit. Dario did most of his growing up in Vancouver, however, where he found himself deep into sports, skating, and snowboarding. For the first part of his adulthood, he followed his own path, working retail at the boardroom, being a sous chef in Whistler, surfing in Australia, working in bars for his uncle, and doing a DJ stint in Barcelona. After launching a maps company during the 2010 Olympics and landing a position at Color Magazine, he found himself doing marketing at Quicksilver and then Huff, before launching Slow Tide with his friends and business partners, Kyle Spencer and Wiley Von Temsky. In this conversation, we explore his unconventional childhood, how the unconditional sport from his parents shaped him, learning the art of negotiation from his father and how he's applied that to business and personal life, his chapter at Quicksilver, what you have to understand about an athlete's psychology when developing brand relationships with them, how Slow Tide came to be, what he hopes for his children, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with the whip-smart and charismatic good human, Dario Phillips. Dario Phillips, welcome to The Craft. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's been so nice meeting you and like chatting with you over the phone. This is actually your first time meeting in person, but I don't know. I feel like I've known you for a long time for some reason. Yeah, I think just so many mutual friends and like Vancouver being a pretty small city, especially in our industry. And yeah, but super excited to meet you in person. Yeah. I feel like maybe we have crossed paths at Fortune or one of the, <laughs> one of the clubs in town. Exactly, exactly. And I've heard so many good things about you from so many of my friends. So yeah, it's a privilege and an honor to be sitting down with you. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words excited to get into it yeah so you how does it feel to be back in Vancouver because you're mostly in Costa Mesa yeah it feels really good um yeah especially now during the summer um I spend kind of split my time between Tofino BC and Costa Mesa but it's like really nice being in Vancouver all my family is here a lot of friends just it's such a bike friendly city I mean especially this these past couple days have been amazing yeah yeah we we're having a, a pretty good summer right now so let's go way back in time. Tell me about your childhood. You were born in Toronto. Yeah, I was born in Toronto, come from a really big family, um, five brothers and a sister. And yeah, um, parents, grew, my mom grew up in Vancouver and she grew up on the east side of Vancouver. Um, she comes from also a big family, uh, eight kids in her family. She was very entrepreneurial in herself and grew up in the early 70s. She had a plant store on West 4th called Pots and Plants, and she was into like pottery making as well. Um, and she later became a model and moved to Toronto um, and got got kind of cast on the street in Vancouver, actually, and was her first gig was for the Hudson's Bay Company, which was a commercial for the Hudson's Bay. And she knew she needed to move to Toronto to make it, and she moved to Toronto and did a little modeling there and then started a little cafe with her friends. And my dad had grown up in Toronto and was really into real estate development, taking heritage buildings um, and developing them and kind of like turning them to loft spaces and really just like transforming communities through that perspective and very entrepreneurial spirit as well. And they had competing restaurants down the street from each other. Um, and they both each had a kid before they had met my brother Milo and Bryce and their kids went to the same preschool and they had a party together and hit it off and kind of the rest is history. But 
Yeah, growing up Toronto, I mean, we left Toronto when I was about seven years old, um, went to LA, and then I truly grew up in Vancouver. I think like Toronto is where I was born, but I don't really see it as like my childhood growing up. I have some experiences there. and um, But yeah, Vancouver is really where, where mm. I learned a lot about life and just had my childhood. Mm. Tell me more about what your mom and dad are like as, a, as personalities and people. Yeah, I mean, they're both my mom, like growing up on the east side, and her dad was a longshoreman, like pretty poor family, but just like, yeah, having a big family and being like very competitive and very driven. And my mom's always been a very driven person, and my dad being very entrepreneurial um, from the get go, just being having so many siblings, like me growing up, he would push us into like delivering newspapers for the courier, like take us to different garage sales. And I think I mentioned this on our prior call, but he would bring us to a garage sale, my brother and all my siblings, figure out what we'd want, give us less money and help us show us to negotiate a deal. So I if they like, say I wanted <laughs> a toy car or whatever, they say $10, he gives me five and says like make a deal. So I think just encouraging entrepreneurship from a young age, whether it's like you know, selling baseball cards or like making perfume, like even from when I was like seven to eight years old, I was always had like some type of hustle and it was very encouraged too. Um, and definitely like lifelong lessons on like not giving up. And like, I think even just his perspective on like picking up the phone and that like connection to people versus this day and age, like lots of emails and just like the personal connect connection and the emotional connection is so important. Um, and like his perspective of, there's not really a no, it's more of a not now, like the persistency of like, oh, they didn't answer, like call them back, you know? So yeah. um, definitely learned a lot from them. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like your your parents were quite supportive of, of everything that you wanted to do and pursue. How do you feel that's, that's shaped you now that you're an adult looking back? Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing to have the support and also just the amount of freedom they gave me. I think that comes with having a lot of kids. You like literally can't be that strict. I mean, it was just like having all these siblings, we just like run in the park barefoot and like go be wild. And I think that's part of the reason I'm raising my kids in Tofino. Like I want to experience them to experience the nature and the outside and just like the freedom of it and figuring things out on your own. Um, and just getting into like skateboarding at a young age, that's what I love so much about it was like the independence of like getting on the bus for 75 cents. And like your only worry was like getting a Slurpee that day and like <laughs> skating around UBC or wherever it was. But like life was good and the, the independence of it, like it really drew me to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were chatting earlier and you were you were talking about um, sounds like a lot of you, your siblings in, in you obviously are, are quite athletic and there's some competitiveness, but healthy competitiveness and in, in sports. Yeah, yeah, no, I think like the competition within family and within just life in general is important. That's what helps gives you the drive. Um, I mean, the family competitiveness is pretty crazy, like playing tennis with my brothers and just, you know, sometimes we our emotions take hold of us, but um, definitely concentrating on taking deep breaths and and balancing the competition I mean for me my brothers are really into tennis now I'm more into skateboarding surfing snowboarding kind of like the runt of the family but trying to keep up with them is definitely motivating to be like (laughs) okay I need to stay stay on top and and try to keep up with these guys oh for sure and um I know that your parents split and I'm, I'm just curious to know what was what was that like for you when you were younger and witnessing that happening I mean it was it happened when I was probably I think I was nine years old when it happened and I think like having so many siblings it was hard to really even process it um but my dad was still very present and around and I think he was I mean my mom we lived with my mom but my dad would kind of take us on Wednesdays and lots of weekends and adventures. He had a super old Mercedes station wagon and we were like, all my friends were welcome to like hop on board and everyone would just pile in the car. We'd hear his car coming from like blocks away because <laughs> it was old diesel. And um, yeah, it was, I don't think it was a negative thing. I mean, as I don't I didn't really dive into it, but my dad was a real estate developer in Toronto and was, did really well in the early nineties and lost a lot in the early nineties and kind of rebuilt himself. And I think that was challenging for him for sure. But then like his positive attitude and how he like got through it and made himself back and, and then it not really phasing him too much was just super important lesson to learn. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a negative aspect really. Mm-hmm. I think they long-term, they weren't really meant to be together. Yeah. You know, and, and you often hear, um, when people get divorced, it's like, well, wouldn't you rather see both your parents happy than together, uh, happy separately than miserable together and so totally yeah, maybe sounds like and I think like it, par- it also like led to my mom doing other things too like she 
got in, got into portrait photography when she was in Toronto as like a side project when my dad was doing real estate. But then when we she did it a little bit in L.A. and in L.A. they had L.A. Parent, which is like a parenting magazine where she would advertise her photography. And when she came to Vancouver, she's like, oh, there's no parenting magazine for me to advertise my photography. So she started BC Parent Magazine. And this was like a mom with her seven kids and like starting a parenting magazine on the side, still doing portrait photography. You know, it was pretty amazing to see what she could create and just like inspire us through that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was always, yeah, just inspiring to to have a mom like that. Mm. I'm really curious. I I know that you said to me that your dad taught you guys the art of negotiation. And my question is in two parts, just because I'm curious about this, but to you, what's an inse- a, an essential thing to remember when negotiating something in business? And how is it the same or different when you're negotiating your needs and boundaries in your personal life slash relationships? I mean, this is always a work in progress for me. I don't think I know the perfect art of it because even for me, I have a different personality, like very driven, like can kind of push too hard sometimes. And even having business partners, we all have different relationships. I'm like, where's the problem? Where's the solution? Let's go. Like, let's move quickly where, you know, they take a little bit longer to digest things and process things. And it's healthy to discuss all those different sides of things. So I'm definitely learning. I'm not a master of it, but I think like knowing, knowing where the leverage that you might have, knowing what the market is. And I think like showing that it's a win-win for both parties. I think that's the biggest thing of like negotiations meant to be like positive for both parties and not like a negative or one side wins. And that's why I look at collaborations. I'm like, if we're partnering something, I want both of us to be really happy about it. And both of us to be like, this was a win. This made sense versus it being really one-sided. So, I mean, that's the way I look at it way more now than historically as, you know, just as you get older, you become a little more wise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you'd apply the same thing when you're nego- negotiating things in your personal life too? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, personal life, I think is more encouragement to each other I guess with with my wife and yeah just trying to encourage and like put yourself in the other person's shoes like being more empathetic and understanding where they're coming from I think is super important um also just like being in nature I mean my wife Laura and I like it's so important for us now to like take a walk in the woods in the morning and just like feel grounded and to like just take a moment to like stop because life is so chaotic these days with you know work and social media and kids and there's just like so much going on and the importance of just like stopping and taking a deep breath and being in nature and experiencing the ocean and like that's really been my draw to Tofino and like it's such a special spiritual place and yeah I I definitely appreciate that in my life more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah I I agree about Tofino and yeah I I feel like in our last uh, conversation you'd mentioned that like even if I can just touch a tree and yeah, there's something about being in nature, but also like really deeply connecting with it, not just standing there, but like really getting your hands in connection with it. So I think that's really beautiful that you do that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's been kind of like a new sort of revelation for us. And I think it's all about routine. It's similar to everything. It's like the routine and the more and more you do it, the more it just becomes part of your life. You know, I was mm-hmm. reading that book, Atomic Habits recently, and just like the small steps, the more and more you do it, it becomes easier and easier. You start with one push up, then two, then three. It's like just compounds itself. Yeah. I feel like too, when you, when you do that, it's like these little small builds of confidence too. Like every time you do it, you're like, oh, I can do it. And then you do it again. And then it's just this like cumulative effect of, of confidence. For sure. And then you really see the benefits of it as well. Mm -hmm, For sure. So tell me about what you were like as a kid. Um, I was very energetic, um, sort of a troublemaker, not really a real follower, um, kind of the runt of the family. Um, But yeah, really outgoing, um, always up for opportunities and trying new things. I think my parents installed like trying new things is super important and like not getting stuck in like the same old boring routine. But yeah, I mean, I got into, played every sport as a kid, played baseball, played soccer, played football, played a lot of different sports. I was born in December. So I got like bumped up to like the older leagues too. I remember I played Westside Warriors football and I was like the smallest player on the team and just got absolutely destroyed. We actually played halftime of the BC Lions game and that was like kind of the highlight. <laughs> I think I really just liked the equipment, like putting on football gear and I was like, oh, this feels cool. Yeah. But I was not a football player at all. But yeah, then I got introduced to skateboarding and snowboarding and that's what I feel like really changed my life in terms of the independence of it and that it was just about you and like 
the practice and the determination and the more and more, and then you kind of hit a spot with, at least with skateboarding, you're like, oh, I understand like how these tricks work and how my my foot placement can be. And, and skateboarding is a culture, especially living in Vancouver, it's such an inclusive sport. Just like everyone's so involved in it. I just love that. Um, doesn't matter what like socioeconomic background you're from or like what neighborhood, like I had friends from Maple Ridge or just like all over and we just would meet and skate and it was just like everything, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's awesome at that age too, to have some kind of camaraderie with other people. Totally. And to be able to carry that through the rest of your life. Totally. And like, peer encouragement that's people in the similar age not having a coach and like having kind of a little less not le- way less competition really like you wanted to do it for yourself I mean there were like video parts and it was obviously pre-Instagram and all that stuff but we would still film a little bit on the side and but it was just about like being with your friends and doing trips tricks and encouraging each other and just having a good time really yeah yeah um, I'd love to start exploring your career though fun fact your uncle is Tommy Chong which is pretty awesome yeah, he is. Um, he has an incredible amount of stories. He's lived an incredible life, definitely influenced my mom. And I guess like my mom's sister is married to Tommy. And that's part of the reason my name is Dario, like the eclectic names and us, my parents growing up in the 70s, definitely influenced, uh, influenced him. And um, yeah, he's had a big influence on my life as well. Mm-hmm. What would you say you've learned from having him in your life? Um, I think like his kid, I mean, his son Paris really like introduced me to skateboarding. Like he was kind of like the older like cousin who was into like lived in California, was into like surfing and skating and kind of introduced that to me. But I think just like having him around and hearing stories from Tommy, I've actually interviewed Tommy a couple of times for like future careers and hearing all the people he has met throughout his career and just like how he approaches comedy, storytelling, and just like he's also an entrepreneur. Like he owned nightclubs in Vancouver called the Shanghai Junk he's played in multiple bands like he's a comedian like he's he definitely like pushes the envelope of what's possible Mm. one of those original multi multi hyphenates as they call them right now yeah yeah for sure (laughs) so yeah let's explore your career I'm just going to go through a list of of things that you've you've done and then there is a question at the end of this of course um so it's, it seems like your career has been really organic. You worked at the boardroom to start. You were a sous chef in Whistler. Then you went to Australia for travel and surf. Um, there was a stint promoting parties, Montreal to try school, uh, New York, Vancouver again, Barcelona, and then back again here for the 2010 Olympics where you launched a maps company that had hot tips on the city. Um, and then you ended up at Color Magazine doing partnerships. And then you went over to Quicksilver through our friend Shauna Olsen, our our mutual friend. Um, I'd love to put a pin on the Quicksilver chapter, but my question about all of this is um, because it seems so natural, like this natural following of your curiosity, I'm wondering if you consider yourself an intuitive person and if you just followed for, like a lack of a better term, your soul. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm considering myself more intuitive now, but I think then I just didn't really know. You're kind of just young. And I think the openness to curiosity and going with the flow and like not saying no and be like, oh, let's move to Montreal. Sure, cool. Sounds like a cool idea. I've got friends over there. Like, let's give it a try at school. Like, not going so great. Like, New York's an opportunity. There's another new opportunity to learn about yourself, meet new people. And I just kind of said yes more than I said no. And I think those things kind of just led to new opportunities and I think yeah I guess my like passion for skateboarding snowboarding surfing like never left me and I think you know had had sections of my life where I was really into music and kind of just like followed those as I went along but um it's kind of like diving back into like the quicksilver thing like I didn't even know those jobs existed like when I got approached by Sean I was like whoa this is a job like are you kidding me this is like built for me so it's like kind of crazy when you think about that like how it all came full circle and it did really feel like it meant, made sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not like you had formal training in, in marketing, right? Yeah, I mean, I studied marketing, oh, but, okay, it, okay. but it wasn't really like, to be honest, like what I learned in school, like was nothing to do with what I was actually doing in practical sense. Like I think I learned more from promoting nightclubs, from 
hustling like whatever I was as a young kid to learning how to sell at boardroom with Steve Thorpe and Jay Good and all that crew. It's like you kind of learn all these things through actual just doing the job. And I had tons of other random jobs from construction to concrete to kind of learning what I didn't want to do as well. I think that was part of it. Like a lot of these younger career type jobs were like, hey, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like what's my true passion? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like with marketing, you can learn sort of like the theory and structure from other people who've done it before. Um, But what about you made you good at it? I think really just, yeah, the openingness, openness to learn really. And like knowing that you don't know everything and like having mentors, like I'm very, I call people all the time, like anyone who's had that career, I'm gonna be like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Even now? And I think, the last couple of years, even the last seven years with Slow Tide, like I've learned way more in the last seven years than I did in the past prior 20 because like you just have to learn everything. I think just being a a sponge and absorbing it all and like getting perspectives from people that have done it before, but then also being like authentic and true to yourself and being like, okay, does this make sense for us? Does this make sense for me? Um, But yeah, I think really just the openness to learn. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's uh, a really good approach to life is just be open and and be curious, be interested. That's what makes you interesting is when you're interested in other people and and other things. For sure. And just the humility of knowing you don't know everything. And that's like that's part of it being like. I'm, I don't know everything. So that's, you have to admit that and be like open to getting feedback. Right. Yeah. Without getting your back up against the wall and being like, oh, okay. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So when you landed at Quicksilver, um, you were doing retail marketing, correct? And working with athletes and, and developing those connections. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we were considered Canadian marketing managers. So like everything within the marketing field would be under us, whether it's uh, retail marketing to events to athlete marketing. I mean, we were still under the Americas, like we reported to VPs of marketing at the headquarters down in Huntington Beach. Um, But it was pretty amazing just the setup, you know, myself running Quicksilver Marketing, Kelly Etzel running Roxy Marketing and Mikey Scott running BC Marketing, literally in a triangle desk in North Vancouver facing each other each day. And, (laughs) you know, we were friendly with each other, but it was like friendly competition at the same time, which is, I think, super healthy and just a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah, you're working with your friends and and that's pretty awesome. Totally. And so um, then you were promoted to American Marketing Director. And then you moved down to to California. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was kind of an interesting time because shortly thereafter, there was new leadership that came about. Yeah. And then you ended up having to cut a whole bunch of of athletes. How did you weather that responsibility? And especially when so many of those athletes you had relationships with. I mean, that was really hard for me, to be honest. That was like one of the hardest parts of my life Um, because I did the Quicksilver marketing in Canada, like brought a lot of the athletes on board fostered the relationships that like built this skate team built the surf team a lot of snowboard athletes as well that like really put their heart and soul into this and this is like stepping stone in their career and for me as a marketer in the action sports world like to make it in Canada you or to make it you kind of like i hit my pinnacle of being a marketing manager you couldn't really become a director at a VP in Canada you had to move to the U.S. so it's kind of the dream of mine to be like oh if I want to keep moving and keep learning I need to make it to the U.S. so I was trying to obviously impress my bosses in the U.S. and like I think being entrepreneurial I did a lot with a little and like really made them recognize the importance of Canada like doing these surf trips and really promoting cold water wetsuits and doing these skate tours throughout the country on like really low budget shoestring budgets and like whoa this guy Dario this Canadian like look at all these stuff he's doing and he's like not not blowing millions of dollars you know like let's bring him up. But yeah, right when I got my work permit to move down to the U.S., I got a call like had got rid of my apartment, just like everything. Like a week prior to leaving, um, a new CEO came on board and they cut they were cutting 170 athletes globally. I had to cut about 35 athletes, pretty much every athlete in Canada. And this is a week before me moving down to California and changing my entire life. So, yeah, those conversations were really tough. But at the end of the day, like my friends knew and the athletes knew it wasn't me making that decision. You know, it it came from above. It was out of my hands. There was nothing really I could do. So that made it a little bit easier, but it was still like, there was a lot of tears. Like it was definitely, it was hard. Yeah, that is hard because you feel, I imagine you feel like you're, you're just disappointing them as, as people in your life. Totally. And a lot of them I respect so much too. I'm just like these people, some of them are my idols. Like 
Raph Brueweiler and Tofino. Like that's part of the reason my connection, I've learned so much from him. So be like, oh, you're not getting a paycheck anymore. Like, and I had to tell you that. It's just like, it was really tough. Mm-hmm. And you were able to maintain all of those friendships after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, even stronger now, like mm-hmm. just because of the importance of friendship for me and the importance of having those role models was, yeah, really yeah. important. I do have a question about developing a relationship with an, with an athlete. Um, do you have any golden rules or an approach when you're trying to develop a relationship with an athlete? What, what do you have to understand about the psychology of an athlete in order for the relationship to be fruitful between you, your brand, and them? I mean, I think you really just need to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, I would consider myself an athlete, like not a professional athlete, but like I do a lot of these things. And I think that's why I like succeeded in marketing or in action sports because I was relatable. Like on the surf trips, I'm in the water with them on the skate trips. Like I'm skating. I might be not doing the same tricks, but like I'm there. So like encouraging them to be like, go after it. You guys are getting paid to do this. This is like the best job ever. Like you're really like trying to encourage them that way to be like, this is, this is amazing. But I think encouraging them in general, like I think now it's more just like content creation, just being true to yourself and not being like, oh, I have to be this contest kid. Like, cause you end up, anything authentic doesn't work in the long run. Inauthentic doesn't work in the long run. Like I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of surfers getting pushed to contests and they're like, well, that's not me. I just want to like film video parts and adventure and like showcase my love of going to new destinations. And that's very marketable. Like people see through stuff that isn't true to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most humans are wise to that. That inauthenticity. Totally. Yeah. Especially now, like more and more, just because so much you put yourself out there, like through social media, it's like you can kind of see through it a little more. Yeah. And after Quick, you went over to Huff. Tell me about that chapter. Yeah. So that was really cool because, I mean, at Quick, I was really interested more in skateboarding, but it was like skate, snow, surf. It was everything. And Huff was like a true skate brand. And my friend Cody hit me up as he knew stuff was going on at Quicksilver and was like, hey, there's an opportunity to come over here. And I mean, me looking up to Keith Huffnagel and everything he had built and like really getting down to skate marketing um it was definitely a skate brand like operated very different than quicksilver i mean we would get to the office at noon and leave at eight so it was just like it was like a skater <laughs> skater company it was, it was really big um but they needed a lot of structure and really, really needed to like figure out how to run a marketing department like they didn't have a printed catalog prior to me coming on board there's just a lot of things that like you kind of just needed to like scale as a company and it was super interesting but like as I was there I saw a lot of dysfunctionally internally there too and like what happened at Quicksilver and the writing was kind of on the wall to be like Dario you need to do your own thing like just the entrepreneurial thing just kept keep coming up to me and I was just trying to like tap on the idea like what what should I do Um, and that's what kind of led to Slow Tide and me meeting with Kyle and Wiley and yeah sparking that off. Mm. Yeah, before getting into the slow tide chapter, um, I'm curious to know in the time that you spent in the in the real corporate world, what what are the lessons that you learned, and and how did how did it um, make you a better entrepreneur now? Yeah, I think like the the tough thing about the corporate world, or at least my experience at the Quicksilver's and the Huff of the world, it was it was very siloed. So it was like marketing's marketing sales is sales accounting's accounting like there were there all these like siloed separate teams so like even at quicksilver in the early days like we would do marketing but like there wasn't a connection to the sales teams like sure they'd be like hey sales needs this like retail window or something there but there was no like kpis related to it it was more just like i hope this is work it's making the brand cool like you don't really know and it was just very siloed out even at huff it was like totally siloed like hey we need a catalog you guys are doing these instagram posts or some video part but it wasn't like connected to the business and i knew as we kind of shifted or we had to when we started slow tide very low budgets like what we did had to work and if it didn't work we wouldn't have a business so i think that was i mean the biggest learnings and we're still learning about it like that's i think the challenge of my job now is I can't be siloed, so I can't focus on one thing as much. And I think to like trying to juggle and wear tons of hats is challenging too. Mm-hmm. So like comp- comp- compartmentalizing your day into like different sections on what needs to get done is super important because you right. can get distracted with a million things going on at once. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's so interesting about the you talking about uh, teams being siloed and corporations because in my experience when I was at a, at corporations it was the same thing like everything was siloed and I wonder what that is it doesn't seem efficient but it seems like so many companies 
do that. Yeah. And there's yeah. no, like that ecosystem isn't interconnected. So I wonder what that is. If it's just when teams get so big, it's, it's harder to communicate, to communicate. I wonder how it just could be better. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've seen it so many times too, in like big conglomerates buy multiple companies and try to do like shared services model. Even when I was at Quicksilver, it was like Quicksilver, DC, Roxy, you know, they're all trying to like share creative people. And I think it doesn't really work a lot of the time. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I think it'd be really challenging more just to have that many employees and having mm-hmm. that many like siloed channels. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's when it's really important to to be able to have a really strong brand and strategies and that where everyone is kind of they're rowing in the same direction and they understand why and, and how. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so with Slow Tide, tell me about how the conversation came about with you and, and Wiley and Kyle. Yeah. So actually, originally, like when I first moved down to the U.S., um, I didn't have anywhere to live. And my friend Andrew Sayer was leaving uh, Costa Mesa. And he's like, hey, I've got this apartment you can move into while you become the marketing director and roommates. And Kyle was actually my roommate there. Um, And he had later left to go get married. But he was also design director at DC Shoes. And I was marketing director at Quicksilver. So we had kind of like similar level roles. I would see him around the office. We got introduced, became closer friends, and then I got introduced to my third partner, Wiley, uh, very happy-go-lucky, creative, and I was just like drawn to him. It was so much fun to be around. And I kind of heard rumblings that they had an idea to do a towel company, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Didn't really like talk about it. It was just like, oh, I heard that. And kind of as I moved over to Huff, I was like, hey, that's actually a really good idea. And they were kind of like sitting on it for maybe two years, and yeah, it kind of dawned on me one day. I'm like, okay, I need to approach them and I need to be the third partner and I need to motivate them to be like, let's do this. Like, and I think that's why we work so well together is like they had the concept but needed the third partner to come in and like really help execute and like light a fire to be like, let's go. Mm-hmm. The time is now. And I think just seeing all these category specific brands pop up and us wanting our independence and kind of all coming to uh, similar pinnacles in our career at the same time, like the opportunity was there and we were just ready to like, go for it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was scary though. Like at the same time I had married my wife, had a, she was pregnant at the same time. So it was just like a lot going on and really like rolling the dice and going for it. Yeah. He had two babies coming and like yeah. this creative one and then an totally. actual one. Totally. Yeah. And then for people who don't know, uh, Wiley is, it's Wiley Bontemski and Kyle Spencer. Yeah. 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 And so you guys, tell me a little bit about um, how you approach towels. So I was reading that you consider them um, beach canvases or functional arts. Tell me more about this because you've collaborated with a lot of great artists and brands. Yeah. I mean, we look at it as like an extension of a piece of self-expression. Like when we looked at towels, they were all very boring, very logo driven. We had a lot of connections with different artists, different photographers throughout the years. And we wanted to, how can we showcase their art? And then also like make art more accessible, you know, paintings that you can't access. Like how can you bring that to the beach or to your home or to different areas? Um, But like just really allowing people to express themselves, um, you know, whether it's like our mollusk collaboration with a beautiful sun on it or like a, an in- interesting plaid or a Takashi Murakami print, you know, I think it just, it was needed in the space. And I think it's a product that's used every day. So mm. yeah, it, it, it is. You need <laughs> there it. was a lot of opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea of, of bring, being able to bring art that is seemingly inaccessible into your home. I, I actually really love that a lot. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, we've expanded beyond towels into blankets and throws and just kind of like that category and how it can be used every day in your home and all these different locations and then just doing art shows too as well Mm. and like you know using it truly as a canvas and hanging on a white wall and like you know we partner with a lot of charities and and give back that way but it's really cool to um, see it literally hung on a white wall like it would be done on our in our gallery yeah yeah that's amazing so you have done collaborations with um, Keith Haring um the late, uh, the Beatles, Pink Floyd, the Grateful Dead, the NBA, and then Wu-Tang earlier this year. Um, is there anything that we can know about something coming up? Um, I probably, yeah. Just stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. There's a <laughs> lot of really cool partnerships coming up. Um, I think that's like a really huge part of our brand um, and, and how we storytell and how we do authentic collaborations. I think the 
the towel that I just passed over to you is a collaboration with 917. And I met Alex Olson through work. He was on the Quicksilver skate team. And just like it all comes back to relationships through myself and my co-founders and our staff too. Like we come to our team and say, hey, who should we work with? Who's friends with who? Who's an interesting artist? And then we also like survey all of our community or customers each year and be like, hey, who do you want us to work with? Mm. You know, so I think really listening to your community and understanding like what do they want to see from you? Yeah, I really love that idea because then they become part of the creative process. They become creators with you, alongside you. Totally. Yeah, mm. no, I think it's it's really important to understand like who your community and who your customers are and really listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a question about hip-hop and the skate, surf, snowboarding cultures. You just did something with, with Wu-Tang, and I was re-listening to my episode with Tony Ferguson, and he was talking about using obscure music and hip-hop in his early skate videos. What is that emotional connection and resonance between hip-hop and these action sports cultures? Is it? Do you think it's because of the idea of anti-establishment? I think anti-establishment, but then also, at least for me, it's just like, getting hyped and the beat behind it and you're like kind of like hyping yourself up to be like oh I'm going to jump down this like oh I'm going to like just mentally getting excited and obviously like hip-hop is like yeah the beats it can be like hype you up whereas some other like classic rock or whatever might not do the same thing to you um but yeah I think that was like I mean for me now like I listen to more like rock and blues and bluegrass but when i was like skating it was much more into hip-hop more 90s hip-hop even when i was djing back in the day it was more like 90s hip-hop and funk Mm -hmm. um but i think just like the energy it can give you i think is is yeah maybe the connection yeah this is very true this is very true i wanted to ask about when i was doing research it just really it really stood out to me that you guys are very conscious business in terms of sustainably sourced material, working with organizations that oversee environmental compliance and fair trade wages. Mm -hmm. This seems to be quite a core pillar for you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, a lot of that credit is to my partners, Kyle and Wiley, you know, who handle a lot of the production and the sourcing. Um, Just super important to have a well-rounded team and to like have those pillars as a brand to like be able to do good more on my side of things is a lot of partnering with a lot of nonprofits and how we can give back and how we can promote the arts um, and promote ocean inclusive ex- inclusivity. Um, you know, like getting people more more people into the water and just like experience what we've experienced because I feel like we live a very blessed life and want to be able to continue and share that love. Mm. And going back to your partners, I'm I'm wondering what what have you learned from each of them. That has made you a better person and better business partner. Yeah. um, I mean, both of them, we all have very different personalities. um, And I think just understanding that over the years. And I think like we can move on after like we have an argument. And I think arguments, not necessarily arguments, but confrontation is good. It's healthy. Like you need to talk through things. You're you're not always just going to agree on something. And I think understanding that we all love what we're doing so much and it's all of our babies, you know, and like failure is not an option kind of thing um but then also just for me like patience and understanding more empathy and like understanding where they're coming from Mm. um and then them understanding me and how I operate and how we operate together and like we couldn't be here today if it wasn't for us as a team and I think like really appreciating each other for that um Mm -hmm. yeah and knowing that we'll get through it together I think like we've gone through so many ups and downs and if like the fact that we're like still here and going (laughs) is like an achievement in itself. Yeah. You pull through all together. Yeah. Um, When you look at the skate snow and surf industries right now, um, what have you observed about them that's different from when you started in it? Good or bad? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think the, the, the best thing about it is they're more accepting in general. Like I think all three, it used to be like, if you're a skater, you're just a skater. Like surfing is lame if you're a snowboarder, like it was, they didn't really cross over. And now like skaters are going snowboarding at Seymour and vice versa. Like I just did the Marie Francoise West Coast triple plank, which is like a skate snow surf contest on Vancouver Island. And it was just amazing to see the amount of people like encouraging each other from all walks of life, but then like skating, snowboarding, surfing. And it was just like all about board sports in general. I think that's like way more open than it used to be. It kind of used to be, be like, skating is the cool thing that's what everyone looks to and wants to be like the cool skater like surfing was like pretty jockey 
vibes and like snowboarding was also just more like you have to be rich to snowboard affluent affluent mm. essentially because the barriers to entry like skating all you need is a board and a piece of concrete you know surfing you need to have ocean accessibility generally a good surfboard be, be a good swimmer and snowboarding you need to be, afford a lift ticket so I think it's it's nice that you can like start with skating and then get introduced to some of the other sports as well. Mm. Um, with the the next generation coming up um, of athletes or just kids that are, are are doing these these action sports, what do you admire about them? I mean, how good they are at such a young age! It's crazy how like I mean they just because the sports have progressed so much they like see what's achievable and it's just it's mind blowing what people can do on these things. So like their their level of you know what they see is like oh that's possible like I can do that and they can push it even further which is really cool and I think just like this day and age just young kids how accepting they are to like all walks of life and all cultures and like including everyone and it's so important and it's really amazing to see um, Mm -hmm. especially in in these sports yeah I've definitely noticed that about the next generation is that they're just yeah they're they're like colorblind and they're you know, everything is just open and they are extra curious and they are like looking for spiritual transcendence in a way that I feel took our generation longer to get there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think being open to it, even my younger brother, Dante, he's just like so tuned in to like, you know, spirituality and self-help and have to have a balanced life and work and, and play like all that balance is just so important and the fact that you can work remote and like work hard and get things done but then like you can travel and read and like do all these things at the same time where I feel like it used to be a little little more difficult when you're like stuck in the office like I'm in the office from nine to five or eight to six or whatever it is like it's a little bit more open especially with the remote work schedules these days yeah for sure and in terms of uh because I, I can see that you're a very curious person and you're very inspired by so many things. What are you super into right now? Like what is what has caught your curiosity and has caused you to dig deeper in recent weeks or months? I mean, I think just like me being happy as a person, I think just like health and like getting a good sleep and starting the day off right, like that's been super important. I definitely like have felt that recently of just like the importance of a good sleep and the importance of like, starting the day off with like less distractions from social media and like spending time with my kids. And like, that's been interesting to like even listen to podcasts of how like successful entrepreneurs have their balance and like the blend between that. And then like, I think working with a team and like being a better leader has been like trying to learn more about that and how do you inspire the rest of your team um, as we're like hiring more staff and just like becoming, having a bigger community in general, trying to learn how to, how to inspire and how to lead. Um, but then in, in terms of like sports in general, I'm still like, I'm still skating. Like I still surf most days and trying to like learn and progress at that. Um, and introducing my kids to those sports as well, which has been pretty fun. Like we live across the street from the skate park. So my son Remy is really into it. My daughter Bowie is really into surfing. So it's like, it's amazing to be like, oh, in a couple of years, like I can do these adventures and just go with them. And they're my like sidekicks. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a dream come true. And they can push you or they can teach you too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Did you, um, in terms of what you were just saying about, you know, just, you know, finding what, what makes you happy, was there just a, was there a moment that happened where you were like, oh, I've got to re-examine this? Or was it just a gentle, natural, maybe in just aging into this phase of, of life? Yeah, I think, I think aging, but then also just like seeing what other people are doing and listening to podcasts. I mean, I'm truly inspired by this podcast, your podcast and what you're doing and hearing other people have their stories and their tips even my business partners like Kyle's really on like a regimen I'm like hey what's your morning routine he's like well I wake up I do yoga for this amount of time like I have my cup of tea and I'm like that inspires me because I'm like okay he's he's on it so I think just leaning to other people and seeing what they're doing Mm. um is definitely kind of yeah where I take the inspiration from ah okay and in your video call last week I couldn't I I mean I think I said this earlier but I, I couldn't help but observe a cer- certain openness in the way that you approach life. Um, the way that you talked about wanting your kids to be out in nature. Um, you had said to me, the grass is greener where you water it. Just your overall energy. And my question is, with who you are in this very moment, 
How do you try to navigate the world in the times that we're living in? Oh, that's a hard question. That's like a really tough one because I get similar to me. I get pulled into social media and pulled into looking at the news. Like you try to like build these regiments of like, you know, blocking some of that stuff out. Um, but it's really challenging. I think like being in nature, literally just being in there and going in the woods really helps and being in the water each day. And like, it's not about catching waves. It's about just being in water and feeling the power of the ocean. And just like, that's my form of meditation. Um, I think I mentioned on our prior call, but just, I was listening to another podcast the other day and it was looking at social media and it was the WWW approach, uh, what for, why now, and what else? So mm -hmm. it's like, why are you why are you looking at it what's it for why are you looking at it right now like whether it's 10 p.m at night like what and then what else could you be doing well having good sleep spending time with my family like all these other balances so when you're like i think that's challenging for a small business owner especially in like consumer goods and having a community like social media is a part of your brand you have to engage in it and that's how you help reach other people um so yeah i think that's definitely like a, a fine line of how you balance that with your life. Um, yeah. And I think just in general, I mean, it's a weird world right now. It's like, it's hard to navigate. That's the reality. And I don't think there's like any one thing to do. I think it's just having your balance and having your routine and having a support network, having a good group of friends. And I think having, I'm super lucky. My wife is super supportive and having kids It just like kids just distract you from all that stuff like you take them to the park and they're like oh my god this flower or this <laughs> butterfly or whatever and you're like you pretend you're a kid again too so like the littlest yeah. things can be exciting and I think that's really healthy and really refreshing as a parent to like just see that and engage with them and just try to like give them your full attention mm -hmm. and what a beautiful way to live like to notice these little things and, and find the the small joy in them so yeah totally. kids really do bring that out for sure yeah. but I mean the start of the year was tough I mean being mm. in Tofino like it was crazy cold winter like everyone had covid people were locked down mm. like it was it's been a hard i think it's been a hard year for lots of people you know in the last couple of years it's definitely like i feel like we're coming out on the other side but i mean people are going through it and i think like being there for them and being open to talking about your tips is just really helpful mm -hmm. and people really are more open I, I do think that we are coming out of it but we are also seeing the the mental health effects of the last two years and i see it at across my friends people are having a tough time. And so, yeah, we, we all need each other. So we, we definitely need to band together and, and yeah. Yeah, this I agree. Is, this I is agree. what life I is agree. about yeah, is totally. holding each other up when we can. Totally. And that's why like. these conversations are so important, you know? To mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Don't hide who you are. Like just, just be who you are. Totally. Really. Totally. Yeah. So you're a parent now. And I'm curious to know, what are the lessons that you carry through from your parents? And what are the things that are different from the way your mom and dad raised you that you've changed? I mean, I think kind of just going back to like curiosity and how important encouraging curiosity is and openness to trying new things. That's what I'm trying to encourage to my kids. I mean, like, you know, just exposing them to lots of different things to see what they latch on to. Um, I think that's super important the differences I guess I feel like the world was just a little different when I grew up I mean in just in terms of freedom and what can happen I mean I grew up in the Kitts Point Grey area and definitely like a very safe you know affluent area and like we would just run around like barefoot and like come home whenever like didn't have cell phones like it was just a different time mm -hmm. and now like you're very connected parents aren't leaving their kids I mean my kids are young three and six you're not leaving them anyways but I think it's you're much more aware of where your kids are and just kind of like the potential dangers in the world mm. um but I think you just can't work like you never know what could happen um I think that at the end of the day you just need to encourage them to be independent um and know that they're supported I think at the end of the day like as long as they know you love them like I think they'll be fine you know mm -hmm. that's I've been noticing that my friends who are parents have been shifting their language to around their kids to, you know, not what do you think, but how do you feel, which I think is, is really, really fascinating. Totally. Yeah. I think encouraging those emotions. Um, I don't think I've done that personally too much myself <laughs> yet, but I, I think I need to maybe read a couple parenting books or listen to a couple <laughs> podcasts to brush up on those skills. Yeah. What do you hope for your children? 
I just hope they they do what they love and like follow their passions and just know that they're loved. I think at the end of the day, I think that's like the biggest thing that they know that they have a support network and in, in whatever they do, and just the importance of like community and giving back. And um, I mean, there's a million things you can do in this world too. It's just crazy, especially now, like what your career and what your passions can lie to. And I think just the openness to curiosity. I mean. 20 years ago you would have never imagined like all the different types of career types i mean from like influencers to like youtube celebrities to like gamers to you know non there's just a million different th directions you can go so i think just like encouraging them and supporting them and like i just want them to be open to learning all the time and i think that's like the biggest thing of like you can figure anything out especially now with like tutorials or whatever it's just it's a different way of learning too than what it was and i think the importance of you know, formal education is definitely changing depending on how motivated you are and how um, curious you are as well. I hope that it's changing. I, and, and I agree it, it is because, um, you know, there's just certain things that uh, I learned, you know, way back in the day that I just didn't connect with and I wasn't really good at and how discouraging that was to not know that there were other things that I could have nurtured. Um, I mean, life happens and you find your way but yeah for for kids to know like hey actually I have this passion or this talent and someone is there to help me um, go down that path seems like such a better way of of doing things totally yeah I wish like you know secondary education would have more like mentors involved I think and like how do you find a mentor and how do you like them help lead that path because I think yeah looking back at my high school experience yeah I mean I learned a lot of the basics you know you know math and reading and writing and that stuff but I think like some of those it was more really just relationships that you learned throughout high school there there wasn't a lot of like practical work that you can take to get a career it was more you know relationship building and how to navigate you know being mm -hmm. around 5,000 people yeah yeah so to your friends and to your crew um, all the people who've been there in your world along the way, what would you want them to know right now? What would I want them to know? That I appreciate them and appreciate all the support. And yeah, I mean, my friends right now, like everyone's done a lot of amazing things too. Like even all the like the skate crew that I grew up with and just seeing like the crew from Vancouver has like done so much and become entrepreneurs themselves or become doctors and lawyers and like done a lot of great things. And I think it's really cool to like, see your childhood friends and and I think just like the core skate community of what people can achieve um and just like being Canadian too and knowing you can like become this like global person and not just being like limited to Vancouver um I think encourages me and I think it encourages younger generations is like you can make it you can make it beyond Vancouver yeah exactly you can yeah. make it anywhere yeah. <laughs> you know it's you they used to say that about New York but hey it can happen anywhere for sure totally um, I really, really appreciate your time. This has been such a, a great conversation. Uh, the last question that I always ask everybody, with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Yeah, I think I, I just want my kids to have these life lessons similar to curiosity and openness and just ever learning. I think that's the biggest thing, just openness to learn. Um, yeah, and just, I guess, just being that, like, care about the world you know pass it on to the to the, your future generations mm, I love that thank you so much for your time I hope there is a, a conversation too next time you're in town and uh congratulations on on everything you seem really uh content like you seem like you have a very content energy Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice being on here. It's such a pleasant conversation and keep doing what you're doing too. This is, this Thank really you. inspires me and inspires our community as a whole. I, I love it. So keep going. Thank you. I will. I plan on it. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.